Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Welcome, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's great to see everybody tonight uh, for Christmas here at Quaybog. So what are we doing tonight? So we are this afternoon. It's kind of weird for me still that we're not doing this this evening. But um, we are uh, trying to do something here that's not just about tradition. It's not just about doing the same thing and like, hearing the same story. Uh, what we want to do tonight is actually uh, really think about doing something meaningful together that connects us not two things, not just with the, the reason for this season, but with the heart of God in Jesus Christ. Like, what is he saying in this story? What is this all about? That's what we're trying to do tonight together. So we're going to do that through music. We're going to do that through listening to the story of Scripture. We're going to listen uh, to some other things just to be able to try to think again, what is going on with this story? Now, we are here. This is uh, the end of Advent month. We've been doing that all month long. And so the things, the ideas that we've covered so far as we've done this, the first one was uh, the one that set the stage for everything. Because the, the story of hope in the Christmas story was one that the people needed to hear. Uh, so this is something that people were desperate for. They wanted to see happen in their own time. And yet these promises have been made over hundreds and hundreds of years to the people that were suffering under the rule of Rome. And so first and foremost, the, again, the promise is made that there will be a Savior that there is hope coming. We'll read that verse here in a few minutes. But the idea, though, that there is hope. It doesn't seem like it, but hope is coming. We did that the first Sunday of Advent month. And again, that's what Jesus brings. And then we did, you can see, peace, right? And that is the birth announcement. So if you know the Christmas story somewhat, you'll know that there was an announcement made by the angels to the shepherds. And of course, this this one being born is going to bring peace on earth. It's one of those kind of popular parts of the Christmas story is what they say to those shepherds. And then joy. Joy is one of those things that can be very elusive. Um, there's going to be, there's a difference between happiness and joy. There's going to be all across the world, all across America especially, there's going to be a lot of people that have a lot of happiness this evening and then tomorrow morning. But then, as with most gifts, the happiness fades. Right? And it just kind of like becomes something that's now a part of your life. But there's something that's deeper that's offered in this baby Jesus. And again, if you think about the real story of Christmas, there's so much more to it because the details of the actual Christmas story are messy. They're confusing. There's things like shame and embarrassment. There's loneliness. There's rejection that's involved in the actual Christmas story. And so these things being offered through that and prophesied ahead of time uh, that's what makes it so real, is because of the tension that was building by the time Jesus Christ actually was born. And then lastly, last Sunday, we did love. We looked at that in light of Jesus Christ being proof of God's love. So it's one thing to say, I love you. It's another thing completely to give up everything and come prove it. And that's what Christmas is. That's what you see in the story of Christmas, is that Jesus Christ is representative of God as God, and he's saying, this is how much I love you. This is how much I care about you. Love isn't just mushy-gushy. Love is a powerful thing, and it is given most evident in Jesus arriving here for us. So that's what we've been doing. And then our last candle, tonight, since it's Christmas Eve, or this afternoon, we'll say, since it's Christmas Eve, is this candle, the last one, 
And that represents the light that Jesus is. And that is what we're going to really be thinking about tonight, because, of course, we like to have a candlelight service. We'll be doing that later on. But all of that, though, is that all this, the whole story of Jesus, is the point that the light of life has come into the world. So that's why we light candles. That's why we do a candlelight service um, this evening. But because all those things actually came, all packaged in a baby in a manger that nobody cared about. Very powerful story, again, but the light of life came into the world. So, Lord, I just ask you, as we celebrate you tonight, as we remember the greatest thing to ever happen to humans on this earth, Jesus, I pray that you speak to us in ways that only you can. Lord, I know that some of us are excited to be here. This is part of our worship and our part of remembering the season. Some of us are just here because it's tradition. Some of us are drugged here by somebody else or whatever. However we got here, Lord, I believe that you brought us here. And so I just pray that you speak all this, this powerful story into our lives, Lord, in a way that only you can. And I pray that in Jesus Christ in your name. Amen. Well, the Christmas story is an incredibly personal one. So I want to start off, TJ, we're going to start off with that, uh, that worship focus. Because I want you guys to read some words with me as I start. Because if, if we miss the personal nature of this story, we miss the whole point of the story, right? So what we're hoping to do tonight, like I started off saying, is that you'll experience something meaningful, not just something that's tradition or not just something that you expect, but something that actually introduces you or maybe reintroduces you to the, the real purpose of the story and the power behind that story. Because, again, if you can't make it personal, man, you are missing, you are missing what it is all about. So I want you to read these words with me as we start off, and they're going to come from Matthew 1. So Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 2, those are the two places they are kind of the, the Christmas passages. That's where people to go to read the Christmas story, and that's where you get the nativity details and, and all those things that we probably have heard. But I want you to read these words. This is Joseph here uh, thinking about this. He was talking about So read these words out of Matthew 1 from, from, with me. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, to hit pause on that real quick, so just in case you didn't know, the name Jesus means God saves. So even his name speaks to what his mission was and what he was here to do, so that he came to be a savior, not only just like a savior in general, but to save us from our sins. So you got to remember that the Christmas story is one that's connected not just to itself, but it's connected to the greater narrative of what God is doing way before Jesus and what he's going to continue to do after the earth time of Jesus, right? So there's this bigger story, and that's where the power of it comes from. It wasn't just a blip or like a, an afterthought when Jesus was like, man, people have really messed this thing up. i got to send some kind of plan down. No, he knew what he was going to do, and even his name, it communicates that. So if you look at Matthew 1, if you look at Luke 2, where a lot of people go to read the Christmas story, you're going to see in vivid detail what Jesus was here to do, why he came, what he was about. So again, he's going to save his people from their sins. And it goes on. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now, Matthew's about to quote this from Isaiah chapter 7, and this is 700 years before Jesus. So you can imagine a lot of tension has built by the time Jesus Christ shows up on the scene. They want, they want this Messiah. They want this Savior. And finally, they're going to get this right here. So let me read the rest of this to you. 
Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So the personal part of the Christmas story is that Jesus Christ, his story, just in case you didn't know, is one of shame and embarrassment, of rejection, of loneliness. Again, Jesus going to Bethlehem when nobody wants them, nobody's expecting them, nobody cares about them. And the, the real details of the real Christmas story are awkward. And it's like God is saying, I want you to get this, that I am with you. I understand the rejection. I understand the loneliness. I understand when life is unfair. I get all that because I lived it. I came to you so that you would understand that I am the great Emmanuel. I am the God who is literally with you. And so that's proof positive. So that's how his story starts. And that's what Matthew, one of the disciples, is trying to communicate. He's saying this story, this Christmas story, tells us something about who God is. So we've been in Advent all month long. So we've been lighting these candles. So to give you a little context, again, just for in case you haven't been here for it or you don't remember all the details, to be able to say this is where we've been um, in 30 seconds. So the story of Jesus, like I said, for him was something that wasn't just a blip. It wasn't just an afterthought. For him, this was something that was central to the story of the whole Bible, and they had implications for later in the future as well. So you got to consider, Jesus comes to be the Savior of the world. He preaches this, he talks about it, he goes around, he teaches his disciples this, but then all of a sudden Jesus dies. He gets crucified in a really embarrassing and painful way. So his disciples, after this, are all depressed. They think, we've, been, we've given three years of our lives to this guy, and it turns out he's a big fat liar. It turns out he's a fraud. That's who this guy was, right? That they're thinking, like, what have we done with our last three years of our lives? So Jesus shows up, and he comes alongside two of his disciples, walking on the road to Emmaus. And I love this because he puts his story in context for them. He helps them understand his life, his birth, right? Christmas itself, everything, his life, everything. It's not just some minute little detail, but it's part of a greater story. So here's what, let me read this to you. Here's what Jesus does to these two disciples. It says in Luke 24, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so that's the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? the first five books of the Bible, and then the rest of the Bible. He does his little Bible study with them, and he says, He interpreted for them all the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus sees the Christmas story as part of a bigger story. So if you're here tonight, I believe you were brought here for a reason, right? And so I believe what I want to do is, again, share something meaningful, share something real, share something like Jesus said. The Christmas story isn't just this little blip. It's this awesome, powerful story with all these weird details in it that say something about our Creator. Now, who we are here, uh, again, as a Christian church, we exist in this community to share the gospel. We exist in this local community to point people to Jesus, to be in the journey with Him. We realize we're all on a journey with God, and so our job, if we feel, is to help people in that journey. So, to make it clear, who are we here to celebrate? What was the anticipation all about when Jesus was finally born, and why was there so much confusion about His time here on earth? And that comes from Isaiah 9. So this is what they would have been, on the next slide, so this is what they would have been all excited about. So, this prophecy... 700 years before Jesus, a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. That's a pretty weighty title. This is what they were expecting. Somebody was going to run the government, right? That's what they wanted. That's what they were expecting. A lot of confusion about the birth of Jesus. However, who would this person be? Who do we celebrate at Christmas? Well, 
He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now that's significant because this is the Trinity all wrapped up into one here. You have the Wonderful Counselor, which is like the Holy Spirit. The Counselor is what Jesus called the Holy Spirit. Mighty God, obviously Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is like the whole thing is coming. When this Messiah comes, this Deliverer comes, this is who this person will be. So, if you're celebrating Christmas, if you're here tonight in person or if you're watching, like this is who, just so you know, this is who we're talking about. Not just like, yay, little baby in the manger. No, this is the Creator God. This is all of this right here being born in a manger with all the embarrassing details. Because all those embarrassing details say something about the God that was born on Christmas Eve. Right? Like, that's what we're talking about. Like, that's what we're celebrating. Because all that stuff, all that stuff points back to the Emmanuel God with us. Right? That Matthew 1 verse that we read together. All of this, all these details of the actual real Christmas story is God saying to you today that God is with you. So I just want, I want to let the story be personal. Like, there's an expectation that this, this does something in your life. Right, that this changes something. It's a transformational story that you see in the birth of Jesus and what that means for us. So whether you're here today and you know Jesus as your Savior or not, and you're just celebrating Him and you don't know and you don't care and you're just here because somebody promised you food later, whatever your reason is for being here today, I just want you to know what it's all about. I want you to be able to understand that because that's the beauty and the power of the Christmas story. Now, we're here at Christmas Eve, and I know... For a fact, again, that people come from a lot of different scenarios. I know that there's some people, I talked to somebody in the first service, they still have to do their Christmas shopping, right? So there's some people, maybe here, that still have to go out and do that. And they're going to brave, and you're going to know when you open their presents tomorrow, they went tonight, right? Because you're going to get, like, extra large, like, men's underwear as a petite lady. Like, you know, you're going to, like, what is this? Well, that's all a job lot had, so... Um, Merry Christmas, right? Yeah, you're going to get a cell phone cover for a completely different phone that you don't have. And, um, you know, so there's that, right? But there's also all the details. Like, there's dinners tonight and tomorrow. There's travel. Some people, they order packages too late, and they're not here yet, right? And so they're going to be, again, a job lot tonight. And there's, like, all these things. There's painful, awkward family things. I talked to somebody in the, the service earlier, and they said they've got some family things that are going to be happening today, and they're like, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to work out, right? So we come to it with that stuff. But some of us are going to have all these awesome celebrations. We've got people we can't wait to see, and there's, there's all kinds of fun things that are going to happen. And then there's, like, sickness, and there's death, and there's all these other things. So I realize when we come to the Christmas story, we come to it from different places. Right? There's, I mean, and this add everything else in that is going on in life right now. All that, we come, and here we are at Christmas Eve. And so we have to know for certain that these things are offered, like that hope actually offered, that joy and peace and love and the light of the world, like all these things are actually offered and available to us. Like that's, that's where the message, that's again, where the power of the message is, regardless of where we are, God's saying, I'm with you, and I offer you real tangible things. Like that, the, again, what's that? It's a personal story, the Christmas story. It's a personal story. And so what I want to do today, just to highlight the meaning of this story, it's to not share Christmassy passages or anything like that. I want to try to make this as real as possible. I want to try to make it as clear as I can what God is saying in the Christmas story. And to do that, I want to share a passage from the Old Testament, another one from about 700 years before Jesus. 
and it's not usually used at Christmas time, and because it doesn't really have anything necessarily to do with Christmas, but it has to do with the meaning of what we're doing here together. And this particular passage, to give you a little context, there's uh, Old Testament Judaism, right? They had two nations at the time this prophecy was given. Northern Israel wiped out, right? They had like completely rejected God. They had leaders that were train wrecks. I mean, total train wrecks. They were awful kings, and they led their country down all kinds of bad paths, and they ended up eventually getting wiped out. They get destroyed, right, by their enemies. Now you got the nation of Judah, who this is being spoken to, and they're starting to go down the same path. They got to see the north and Israel doing the same thing, and what happened to them. And again, the leaders were a bunch of rotten leaders, a bunch of selfish guys doing awful things, and God was finally like, all right, I've been warning you, I've been trying to put the brakes on this, and you just refused. You've chosen wickedness and just evil, and so now I'm going to let you have the consequences. I'm going to let you have what you wanted. So it's kind of a depressing setup. However, what we see is very Christmassy. It's grace being given to people that don't deserve it. It's grace being given to people that don't deserve it. It's hope. It's a future. It's something tangible that God is saying, you're going to have to walk this road, but I want you to know I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you my presence if you seek it out. So here's what he says. Jeremiah 29, pursue Jesus and you'll find him. Right? This is the message behind what we see in Jeremiah 29, is that if you pursue God, you absolutely will be able to find him. Now, Jesus is God, right? If you're unfamiliar with that, that's what Jesus said of himself, is that he is God. And so here's where this passage goes. It says, again, he's saying this to people that are in a pretty tough spot. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. I mean, that's a statement. I know the plans that I have for you. Well, what are those plans? He goes on. He says, plans for your well-being, not for disaster. Like, you're going to have to walk this road of consequences, but I'm not going to wipe you out. I'm going to give you a future, and I'm going to give you a hope. And he goes on, and this is important. He says, you will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Next. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This verse spoke to me big time this year when I was thinking about where this series went and where we were going to land tonight in Christmas Eve because I have a lot of conversations with people that they want to find God. They want to be able to connect. They realize there's more than what's going on just in front of them, but they're like, I, but I don't know how to connect with God. Like, I don't know how to really do that. And the beauty of this passage and the Christmas story itself is God is saying, look, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And he's talking to people that are, like, belligerently not looking for him. Like, they, don't want, they want nothing to do with him. And he's saying, however, if you seek me, you will find me. That's the Christmas story. It's Emmanuel, God, with us. I'm going to prove to you that you can find me because I'm coming. I'm coming for you, right, so that you can see it. And then he finishes up by saying, I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. I'm going to give hope to people without hope. I'm going to give a future to people without a future. I just know a lot of people, they look around the world, they don't see a lot of hope. They don't see a lot of joy. They don't see a lot of peace. They don't see a lot of love in the world around us. And yet, that's what Jesus is speaking into even our world. It's a very difficult world that Jesus was born into as well. And for us to be able to say, yeah, like this is proof. This is what Jesus is saying. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. So again, Pursue Jesus, and you will find Him. Not the fake versions that we've been given of hope and of joy 
of love and of peace, like, real. The message, that's the message behind the Christmas story. Because that little baby born in a manger was the hope of the world. That little baby, with all the awkward details, like, I, I encourage you, go read a little bit about a Matthew 1. Go read Luke 2 and notice those stories. See, for most of us, if you're not familiar with the Christmas story, you think that the wise men were there probably at the birth of Jesus. You think that the Star of David and all that were right there, all that was one and the same. But if you read the story and you look at the detail that's recorded in Scripture, you'll see that the wise men didn't come for probably a couple of years, right? Because there was a baby in the manger, and then there was this child that they visited. Greek is the New Testament language, right? The New Testament written And you can see two very different words there, meaning two very different ideas. And not only were they not in a cave anymore, but now they're in a house. The wise men come to visit baby Jesus in a house, really toddler Jesus. And so, again, the picture that most of us have been given is just because of the artwork that we see, the movies that we watch, all that kind of stuff. But the real story is one of absolute loneliness. No wise men came to visit Jesus when he was in that manger. Mary and Joseph were all alone with nobody that was coming to visit them. That's the reality of that scene. And that's the creator of the universe? That's the creator of the universe that would put himself into that kind of position? To say something about himself? About how he understands us? How this literally is God with us? Like, I understand your storyline because I've lived it too? Like, that's different. That's different. That's not the clean version of the nativity scene. That's just, man, that's lonely. But it says something about our creator. And it's saying, like, I want you to know me. Like, I'm coming down here as proof that I want. I'm coming after, like I said earlier, I'm coming after you. That's how much I want you to know me. I'm coming after you. I love that. And so, like I mentioned earlier, out of Luke chapter 2, right, this is where you would go. This is something that you could read, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. But this is what the angels are going to say to these shepherds. And again, what does it say about God? The whole birth announcement. He's saying that these angels are saying it to shepherds. They're nobody. Nobody cares about shepherds back then. They have no status. Nobody cares about them. Nobody wants anything from them. They had a bad reputation. And yet, the angels are going to announce, first and foremost, to the lowest of the society. The real details of the real story of Christmas say something about the God that showed up in that manger. So, here's what the angels say to the shepherds. Today, in the city of David, right, and that's Bethlehem, a Savior was born for who? Yeah, they don't say, notice, they don't just say, a Savior is born for everybody. They make it personal because the Christmas story is a very personal story. A Savior was born for you, like everybody sitting in this room, everybody watching. A Savior was born for you. It's a personal story. Who is the Messiah, the Lord? And the angels go on. That's first. This will be the sign for you. You're going to find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger, right? That's kind of, those two verses are like, the most well-known, if you've ever watched the, uh, the Peanuts, the Charlie Brown version, Linus gets up on stage, right? And that's what he quotes, right? He quotes out of Luke chapter 2 because Linus is making the point, right? And Charlie Brown's all stressed out. And he, Doesn't anybody know the real meaning of Christmas? And he rolls up with his blanket and he's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and notice, it's cool. What's Linus, the, uh, the artist, they did it on purpose. He drops his blanket. Linus never drops the blanket, but he drops it right before he starts to say this. That's true, right? But the point, a Savior was born for you. People are going to be watching that now. They're like, look, he put the blanket down. <laughs> What's it mean, Pastor Kyle? <laughs> all right? The point, the point of all the message, the point of everything, Matthew 1, Luke chapter 2, is that a Savior was born for you. Make it personal. A Savior was born for me. 
right? Again, not just for everybody, not just for people, but for me, Kyle Sargent. Now, the question, though, is, um, he came to be your Savior, what will you do with it? I did this last year, and I just, I'm going to probably do it every year because I think it makes it concrete. What is this? It's a gift, right? It's a gift. A lot of people are probably going to get these. A lot of people probably gave these. It's a gift. But the important part of getting the gift is then doing what with the gift? Opening the gift, right? Can you imagine if you gave somebody a gift and you're like, nah, no thanks. Like, open the gift. Open it. Like, nah, I'm good. I appreciate it, but I'm just going to... No, we don't do that, right? Most of us cannot wait to tear the thing open and find the phone cover that doesn't match the phone we have, right? But no. So there's a few different options with this. I want you to get this about the Christmas story, right? This... The question is that God has given you the gift of eternal life, right? Like, that is the gift of Christmas, is that God came into this world to say, I understand you, I get you, I'm with you, but also there's this hope, there's this promise of not just presence with God in this life, not just that I get to know God in this life and be known by Him, but also that I get to be with Him for eternity. It's the promise of eternal life. So my question is, there's three different scenarios, or maybe really two scenarios, right? Some of us have been like, yeah, I've accepted this gift. I know that I've got an issue that I can't get through this life with and I can't get into eternity with, right? I get it. I've sinned. I've broken God's command. At some point in my life, I've said, nope, no thanks, God, right, which we all have. The gift is, like, I get that, and I know I need a Savior, and I've given my life to Him. That happened to me when I was in high school at a winter retreat. All the like, stars aligned, so to speak, and I finally got it. I understood that Jesus was my Savior, and I needed to accept that gift personally. Yes, Lord, I know what you did for me, and I give you my life, and I accept what you did for me personally. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's just step one. However, if you've done that, what are you doing with the gift? Here's my challenge if you're a Christian. What are you doing? It's meant to be transformative. It's not just meant to be something for you personally. It's meant to transform your life. Yes, your eternity, but also your life here on this planet. You're supposed to be different because you belong to Jesus. Now, Secondly, some would say, no, I've never opened the gift before. So again, I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the working of the Holy Spirit. My question to you then is, why not? I believe you're here. Maybe you're watching, whatever the case might be. And I think God brought you here on purpose. So if you've never accepted that, well, why not? Why not let tonight be the night? Why not let this Christmas season be like the, oh, it all fell into place. Now I understand. It was cool. Last year somebody did that. They didn't understand the story of Christmas or what it was all about. They didn't understand that Christ was giving us salvation, saving us from something, right? Knowing God now and knowing God forever. So, again, think of this as a gift. Think of like the real meaning of the real story of Christmas is that God's saying, I'm with you and I want to be your Savior. I want to walk with you in this life and in the next. Like, that's what it's all about. That's what the announcements were about, the prophecies, everything. That's what it was always about. And just like Jesus said and where we started in Luke 24, his story was not just a, a, a flash in the pan. His story was a fulfillment of a long line of hope, of prophecy about what he would do. But, I'll close with this. My question for you is this. What will you do with that gift? The Christmas story is a very personal one. So what will you do with that gift? That's, what you, that's how Jesus put it when he was here on earth. This is for you. It's a personal thing. So, Lord, I pray that, uh, God, as, as we let that settle in, Lord, the real Christmas gift, as we continue to sing and think about and celebrate what this season means, Lord, I, I pray that you do work in us. 
Maybe we came here expecting this, or even if we didn't expect what we heard and experienced tonight, Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do. And I pray that in your name, Jesus, with an incredibly grateful heart, that you would come and save a guy like me. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.